Welcome to Two Coaches Unplugged. With me today, Coach Tommy Faust, Coach Zach Sayre, and today's topic is leadership. And we're going to get right into it. Gentlemen, what do you know about leadership? I guess just what I've been shown. Yeah. All right. Well, as we get going, as always, this show is about a topic that you know ahead of time, but you don't know any of the questions that we're going to get into. You don't know the depth we're going to get into it uh, as we go through. So just off the cuff, honest answers and honest uh, opinions on whatever topic it is. And today's topic is leadership. So let's talk leadership. And we'll start off with the first question. What are the most important values that you see leaders demonstrate? And this can be adults, kids, however you want to frame it. Just frame it in your opinion. The most important values that you see leaders demonstrate. Honesty, accountability, communication. Just three, you know, to put off the bat. Okay. Yeah, those are pretty broad ones. All right. Um, compromise. Ooh, explain mm -hmm. that. Life is one ongoing negotiation, right? You're always negotiating everything that you do. And what you find is, even if you've got the best plan in the whole wide world, and you're the smartest guy alive, and you know something that the other seven and a half billion people on planet Earth do not know, the fact of the matter is, you're not going to be able to do it alone, and you're going to have to compromise to accomplish what you want to accomplish with a group of people. Almost always. Or even one person, one other person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to be willing to compromise. Okay, that's a great start because we'll get into that in question three or four. And uh, you can go more in depth. So, <clears throat> as we talk about leaderships, what do you two individually purposefully demonstrate to show your own leadership? What's, what's important to you as far as what you demonstrate? Is there something that specifically you... Tutor yourself or mentor yourself one that you want to bring to the table. And for those that don't know, uh, soccer coaches, wrestling coach, so you guys have a pretty good pedigree in coaching and some experience here. Um, even in business. And business, that's a good point. Um, definitely energy. You know, bad attitudes are contagious, but so mm. are good ones. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to be you know, a Debbie Downer or, you know, be super toxic all the time if the person that you're dealing with is really positive and really energetic about whatever it is. You know, what you find is, um, you know, people are often attracted to, and I mean that like in the most literal sense of the word, not like a romantic sense of the word, but people are attracted to people that are passionate about stuff. You know, they're like, that's so interesting, even if they know nothing about the topic, nothing about what that person does or industry or subject it doesn't even matter but often I find people are really attracted to, to passionate people so that gets buy-in right and so you know as a leader you try and you try and do that as much as you can now that's not everybody's style you know we'll talk about a lot of things and there's always an exception to the rule and we can point to those but more often than not you know we're talking about trying to help people who are normal every day right or slightly below, slightly above, and trying to get the most improvement or get the most out of you know what we're doing on the on the podcast. Okay. So, <clears throat> Coach Zach, how would you relate to what you purposefully demonstrate? Does that fall in line, or is it something different? Uh, to me, I think attitude goes so far. Um, you know, <clears throat> when things are going good, obviously, 
you know, it's, it's good to have, you know, a positive uh, attitude on things, but, you know, <clears throat> how you respond to, to negative events uh, and, you know, when things aren't so smooth, you know, that can really make a big difference, you know, whether it's a team, whether it's a, a, a you know, a business, a, a relationship, whatever. I mean, you got to have a positive outlook and a positive attitude on things, so... Is that something? Elaborate on that. Is that what if it all goes bad? How do you come back with a hey? We got to have a positive attitude on this deal. Whether, like you said, relationship-wise, business-wise, team-wise, have you guys had? Is there a specific example of that you can put into play of when it's all just went bad and you got to turn it around? And I don't know. Maybe if it makes it easier, halftime speech at a game when you're in a game where it's just going bad. How do you? How do you tell them some so, team they need a positive attitude? So you know. <clears throat> I think something we do as far as attitude and let's say a game's gone south, maybe we're down three or four to nothing. You know, we always try to say, you know what? There's three goals. That was the first half. All right. There's four goals. That was the first half. Let's go out and let's win this half. Let's be better. You know, let's, let's make, um, the right decisions. Let's, you know, play proper. Let's, you know, out hustle them. Cause it's easy to just lay down. Um, you know, so we always try to look at it, like I said, from a coaching perspective, let's just make this second half. Let's make it better. Let's you know, let's go out and, and improve from what we just did and try to make the most of it. So try to come out with something positive, um, you know, even though you're likely going to come out with a loss. So have you have you had that work? And then have you had it not work? And if so, what were the consequences of each? Uh, honestly, the majority of the time that we have that conversation with kids, they respond positively, and we you know go out and we win you know, win the second half. So right. Maybe not the whole game, but the half. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Coach Faust, would you say that's the same in business? Have you had to have to give that talk in, in business before? Well, it's all about what you're trying to accomplish and having, you know, most coaches, most leaders, where they fall short is they're thinking either really long-term or they're thinking really short-term. So, like, that halftime, they're, like, thinking about right now. You know, and so you have to understand, again, every, you can never unsay something. Every decision that you ever make is permanent in some way, shape, or form, right? Once it's done, it's done. Now, there's often things that you can go back that kind of can reverse decisions, sure. But you can never change the fact that you made a decision in a moment, and that's never forgotten. So, you know, in those, in the moment, you know, you look at it as it's kind of like psychological warfare. Say something. With, Every decision um, that you ever make is permanent in some way, shape, sorry. or form. No, you're good. So, you know, you, you're trying to say, okay, it's psychological warfare, not just with the opponent, um, but also with, you know, your employees or your athletes in the sense of the thing you that know, we always the, preach is moment. that you cannot change the past, right? So let's not sit here and lose our minds over the fact that we conceded three goals in the first half because it's done. There's nothing that you can go do to change that. You can't take the three goals off the scoreboard. It's done. So you're kind of like preaching stoicism, right? Right there. It's like just that's done, right? That's like mental fortitude, right? Just set that aside for right now. So for the next 40 minutes, this is what we're trying to accomplish. And hopefully you put yourself in a position, right, to then make a comeback. And then it goes to like realistic goals. Hey, we're not trying to score three goals. We're trying to score one goal, right? And if you score one goal, now you're in a two goal game, right? And then you're trying to make it a, a one goal game with five minutes left. If there's one goal game with five minutes left, then you've got a chance to tie the match or whatever. 
but so much can happen. So then you're just trying to accomplish that short-term goal. But like anything, then you need to have another follow-up conversation later, whether it's that same day after the game or at another date to talk about you know, the first half performance in depth and go much more elaborate, right? And then you got to be thinking long-term. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, that moment, I mean, when it all goes bad, you know, you're trying to get a short-term goal. You know, what are you trying to accomplish right now? And also, what are you trying to accomplish in the long term? So, you know. <clears throat> Is it hard to remind yourself of those different goals? Not for me. Have you seen it in other people where they kind of oh, yeah, side of that? Yeah. Is that something you interject and say, listen, let's look at you know, short-term, long-term, what are we trying to accomplish here, or is that something you just kind of got to let go? Yeah, I mean, we're good as a staff on that, but I mean, I... The kids oh, yeah, look the at kids. so much in the short-term. Yeah, like, obviously. You know, they lose one game and they think it's the end of the world. Yeah. You know, like, like for example, this year, our first scrimmage of the year, you know, we lost. And you would have thought that, you know, Doomsday was upon us, just from the team's... Um, you know, from their demeanor, from the things that they were saying, like, you know, after the game we said, you know, we're not worried about anything. Like, you know, we only played a true varsity for the first 15 minutes. We were subbing, um, you know, we were young, inexperienced. Like, we said, you know what, come game 20, we'll be fine. There's no... <coughs> right. We had perspective. You know, it's a scrimmage. The whole point is a trial yeah. run. It's a this environment where you can make mistakes and errors and learn, and there's no consequence. Obviously, they don't look at it like that. They look at it as a competition, a contest to win. Yeah. That was my question. Did they buy that? Like, at the end of the day, did the team buy that? I think a little bit, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had meltdown. I mean, you, when your number nine is begging to play defense because you're getting scored on, I mean, and they've never played defense, yeah. I mean, that's a little – ridiculous yeah. right yeah. you're like hey calm down yeah, but like, like but like we said they didn't look at it as you know we replaced the whole back line you know we had um younger kids in you know we after the first 15 minutes we started subbing yeah and we subbed freely the rest of the game like we didn't go back to a full varsity lineup the whole rest of the game but like i said you had guys in, in meltdown mode and they just didn't really take time to put things into perspective to you know to evaluate and you know that's that's important of a leader as well i think um, being able to evaluate, you know, what's happening in the now and, you know, go forward with it long term. So, Okay. What's more important, a leader or a follower? And, of course, why? Any great leader is a great follower. I mean, that's... Explain it. So, to lead, you have to know how to follow. How can you convince followers <coughs> to follow if you don't know how to follow? Right. Okay. So I mean, you can take any fantastic coach ever, and um, if they're going to be an assistant coach, they are not trying to overstep. Right. They're not trying to be the head coach. Right. They're going to respect. It's just like the military. You know, who's the CEO, and you have that respect for rank. And so you got to know how to follow. And once you've learned how to be a great follower, then you can kind of get an idea of how to lead. You know what I mean? So, but you can't do one without the other. I mean, we could, like, provide, like, a million anecdotes. But for me, that's really important. And so when you see a great staff, right, then you'll, you've got assistant coaches who respect authority and respect the situations that they're in. And so it all works because, unfortunately, you have to have that to be successful, right? You have to have that buy-in. You have to have unity, and to get that, you have to compromise. 
So even if you're an assistant or you're a player and your idea is better, or you think you know better, or you're whatever, doesn't matter. You got to compromise on that sometimes, right? Coach Zach, go ahead. I think another way to look at that is, you know, follow can also mean adapt. You got to be willing to to you know listen to others' suggestions, you know, to incorporate that into the team or the business or whatever. Because if not, it's just it's a dictatorship. And you're not leading at that point, so you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you find if you're like, not if you're leading and no one's following, are you still leading? Yeah, you're not exactly. So you know you need to be able to take, and it could be from some other higher entity, or an equal, um, in a sense, you know, to adapt something new to the situation. So you're following, you're following others, in that sense, and then that's you know creating a better atmosphere for your team or for your you know workplace or you know whatever situation you're in. So. Okay. Yeah, and a great a great example of that is when, like we did it this year, where the boys were really loose, and we followed their lead, right? Explain that. What do you mean? What, so, what do you mean by like really loose, and how did you follow their lead? So you know, we had a group of guys that took a very lighthearted approach to you know warm ups, um, to games, and although that's not wasn't our default or our preference you know when you see something work and you see everybody bought in and again we'll talk, I talk about this all the time you know again everybody bought into a good plan is so much better than half or even two-thirds bought into a great plan so when you've got a whole squad of guys bought into this good plan and it's working then as a great leader you know how to follow and so you had you know chips what 45 45, 27, 26, following a bunch of 15-year-olds. Yeah, and that's completely out of our element, the way that, that, that they were handling and going yeah. about things. So. so I got two questions. One, did any of the players not buy into that? And two, Coach Zach, you had mentioned in the previous podcast about your role was when it was time to do business, it's do business. How did that play out? Did you have any of the players? We had two athletes for the sake of, like, you know, privacy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. So we had two athletes that did not agree with that, mm -hmm. for sure. How did uh, that work out? Did you guys have to intervene and kind of develop leadership in that situation, or did the team take care of itself? What did you let happen? No, I mean, that's a situation where you win some, you, like, it's it's called uh, the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, it didn't work. It wasn't those two players' preferences, but I don't really think it affected... Like, they took it serious. So, like, as an individual, they were still prepared the same way. Yeah. Like, they were just aggravated by the rest of the team, but at the end of the day, they were all gamers, so then everybody was serious in the game. So, like, it was kind of... Again, it, was, it came down to preference. Yeah. Right. Right? The time when it comes to disagreeing and hating it, and, and action needing to be taken is when it doesn't work, right? And so, although we had two athletes that were very serious guys in warm-ups, um, and they were aggravated, and it wasn't their preference, they didn't have to deal with that same attitude in a live game situation when it mattered. And so, whether or not they think it affected the overall success, um, they would be um, right and wrong. I think that, you know, you have to be adaptive. And we can, it's all just opinion, but, you know, um, yeah, we definitely had two 
that we're not. And what what was the second part of your question? For Coach Zach, he mentioned in a previous podcast that when it was time to do work, he wanted to flip the switch and mm-hmm. to do work. How did that affect your role on the team when it kind of, like you said, was loose? Yeah, I mean, we us three, you know, we all think that way. Um, we didn't like it. You know, we had conversations, you know, amongst ourselves, just, you know, drove us crazy. Yeah. Um, what but, did your conversations entail then? I mean, was it a, we have to make a change here, we got to push them, or should we let it ride? Just discussing whether we think it's going to work, you know, if there's anything we can do, if it's worth fighting the battle, especially, you know, when you get down to the nitty-gritty part of the season, like, you know, you're a week out from sectionals, is that a battle that you want to try to to put in and try to, you know, go to war with a bunch of 14 to 17-year-olds? Like, is that going to cost us, you know, a sectional title, a regional title? Like, we ultimately decided, you know, we needed to to, to roll to roll with it. And, um, like I said, ultimately, I think that was the right decision. Um, you know, if we had, had gone, you know... Um, Did you address it at all with any of the players? You say, hey, like, maybe times. this is a little... Loose. Yeah, at times. How'd it yeah. go? What that conversation th- look like? Minimal success. You know, in one year, out the other. Yeah, yeah. I understand, Coach, and then not, not any action to come of it. it. What happened to our roles, I can easily speak for both of us, our roles were greatly, greatly <coughs> diminished and reduced. So, yeah. but it's not about us. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not, it's not an ego trip. It's, you know, we don't need that massage. It's not about personal uh, impact or accolade. Like, you know what I mean? You, you don't measure, there's not a percentage of each coach on the plaque or, or any of that, right? We're all in this together. And whether you contribute 5% or, or 85% or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're At the end of the day, it's a, it's a team. Yeah. We're, ch- we're chasing a team goal a team a, a reward right so the individual stuff doesn't matter our individual roles were reduced greatly but you know that just kind of goes back to what i said before about being great followers you know we could adapt for the greater good and compromise what we wanted to accomplish as individuals what we preferred as individuals for everybody else how far into the season did you go before you were just like, okay, this is going to play out and this will work okay? I, I mean, you mentioned, Zach, you mentioned sectionals and regionals. So was, did it go that deep into the season where you were still concerned or was there a point where you kind of lost concern for the leadership role that the boys had played into? We had discussions early on and, you know, initially we tried to be, you know, buckle down, take care of business. You know, you need to train properly, you need to warm up properly, you need to... to diet properly you know with nutrition and, and hydration and <clears throat> like you said you know it just it went in one ear um and out the other and we just eventually you know probably halfway through the season we're like you know what like let's take a little different approach here and you know start to embrace it and start to embrace it and like i said we really hit our stride at that point once we fully embraced that even though that was totally outside of our element yeah but it brought the best out in the boys. Did it make you two feel better? And Coach Chip, I mean, I'm sure you can kind of speak for him to some degree. Did that make you feel better once you embraced it? Yeah, you have to. I mean, yeah, we're not I gonna mean, continue to lose. we're not yeah. going to continue. There's a long pause there. Just well, you you're not going to continue to lose your mind. I mean, that's why we yeah. did it. But I mean, like from a training perspective, yeah, I was probably, I probably conceded defeat uh, <laughs> third week of training. Okay. Um, as far as in yeah. games, the Williamstown game, whenever we played them, yeah, um, I had a post game talk with the team where I. Uh, that was everything I had in me 
And so from that moment on, you know, I was able to absolve myself of any uh, guilt. And it was, that was the thing about this group is that in game situations, they rose to the occasion. Bunch of gamers. Yeah, we all, we all had the same We goal. just had a bunch of gamers. And so we had a game, it, we had in-game issues up to the Williamstown game. Right. I put it all on the line and said, you know, you guys kind of want to do whatever, and that's fine, but you just need to understand all of the outcomes. We had a lot of talks about, you know, you may be a sophomore, this may be your only shot to go mm -hmm. to the Final Four. Yeah. And so you need to just understand. You may break your leg and you may be done. I mean, you have no idea how, what's going to happen in your career, so you just need to understand that you have right now. And so you need to decide what you want to do with it, and if you decide that you kind of want to mug it off, then you just need to understand what's potentially on the table. I gave a lot of personal anecdotes. I talked about a lot of things. Right. And I think it was, that was the turning point I felt like, and I had talked with some players, they felt that way too. Yeah, but So then from a game perspective, I threw my hands up in the air at the Williamstown game, and was just, and we all kind of did, and it was like, listen, here's the deal. And then we threw it out there, and then so they took the mental switch in the game, and then they just kind of, they all were doing... They all bought into something. It just wasn't what we were selling. Yeah. Do and you, then we bought into what they were selling. Do you think it was because they're a younger group that you kind of had more of a fun atmosphere? Do you think if you'd have been heavy with seniors that it might have been different? You're saying no. So this no, set, this group's going to roll like this the whole th next couple of years? Generally you know? speaking, they're just they're loose. I mean, they're laid back, relaxed, you know, just kind of shooting the breeze, go with the flow, free-spirited. I guess my real question is, do you address leadership differently with an older group than you would as a younger group? Like more of a, let's breed leadership in with a younger crew and more, let's develop maturity with an older group? How's that How's that work in your mind as far as leadership's concerned? Well, it's like the program thing, right? Like you want it always to be fluid throughout. Yeah. You okay. know what I mean? You definitely are not trying to like split it up and you don't want it to be cyclical when you have cycles and there's periods of downtime. So, you know, ideal, you're always breeding that leadership and then you just have the best leaders that are the oldest because they've been doing it enough, they've been bred the most, and then they're just helping you on the on the front end <coughs> with those younger guys, then you just have more of what you were trying to do. Now, when you first get a group of kids that have never been coached by you your first year, right, and that first group, but now we're at the point where we've cycled out all the kids that were coached somewhere else. Well, what would you tell a coach if they said, okay, you know, I'm just coming into the game, do I spend more efforts on leadership with my older kids to kind of get the benefit now, or do I put more effort on my younger kids to get the benefit as a cohesive plan? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, where, at, where do you put your at, money? Looking at it that way, I think you put your cards into the younger group. I mean, if you're if you know, like you know, looking at it in a vacuum, if you know that you're going to be there long term, yeah, you know, you got to <clears throat> invest more time. I feel like into your young kids. And I'm, I'm looking definitely at definitely bo both, but different. So like. Well, hold on. Let me give you a frame here. So, like, rec league, you know, you're coaching your kid 10 to 12, so you're going to be there a couple of years. Or middle school, you're coaching 6th to 8th grade, your kid probably, you're going to be there three years. High school, probably a little more professional outlook, but you have four years. Is that Would you tell those coaches anything different based on knowing that knowledge? Well, you definitely got to coach differently when you know that you're not going to have kids and you're sending them on. Right. So you're then coaching... Um, like if you're not in soccer, uh, you, you know, kind of for other sports, think of it as you're kind of coaching a utility player. You want to be diverse. You want to be well-rounded. So, you know, you have to 
try a couple different styles and you just want to make a kid ultimately coachable, right? You're trying to produce coachable kids, so then whatever they run into, you know, you just kind of try and prepare them for multiple different styles and situations because that's your role because you're not going to have them. So you don't get the military, break somebody down, build them back up. You don't have that luxury because you don't have that kind of time. Well, frame it into leadership, though. Where do you invest your leadership? Trying to take the sixth grade, seventh grade group and groom them? Or do you say, all right, eighth graders? Because I've heard that before. Eighth graders, it's your time to be the leaders. You know, it's your time to handle business. Is that which one do you buy into? Well, I, you're doing both, but differently. When you come in at first, you try and put that immediate expectation, this is what the standard is or what should be for a senior in your situation or an eighth grader. Right. But they may not be in that situation. It's like teaching an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Right. And then conversely, you treat teach your culture to all your younger players, and then you show them in the, on private one-on-ones you're also trying to develop who you think the leaders are, and then sometimes you're, you point to the older kids as negative examples of, you know, what not to do. And then you're still <coughs> trying to get the best out of the older guys, too. Right. Okay. Okay, so on to the next question, the next big question here. And you, t- you touched on this a little bit. How can a leader fail and still be a leader? And then give me an example. Does that make sense? And, and I would frame this in what factors are out of leaders' control. You know, sometimes it's resources. Uh, sometimes it's time constraints. But, you know, how can a leader fail and still be okay as a leader? You know, if you want to look at it from a coaching perspective, you yeah. know, since this is two coaches unplugged, I would say, the you know, one of the biggest ways to do that is, is just take accountability when you make a wrong decision. So, you know, the game's on the line, you know, you call the wrong play in football. You can always go back and look, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Should have called this play right. instead. You know, up front with the boys, hey, I made a mistake, you know, should have done it your way, especially, you know, you're conversing with, you, you see it in movies all the time, the quarterback wants to wants to run a play and the coach said no we're doing it my way you know and you fail like <coughs> be accountable I think that goes a long ways especially in you know 14 to, to 18 year old kids eyes um, yeah. I think they still look at you as a leader even though you failed in that, in that instance so okay I think you fail when you reinforce negative uh, behaviors or outcomes you know whether you're conscious of it or unconscious of it you know, um, because again, we're talking about shaping kids or employees or whatever. Um, I think you fail when you're inconsistent. You know, um, how you come back from that obviously is being a human, taking accountability. Um, you know, every great leader is constantly trying to teeter totter on being elevated right. from the followers. Right, so there's a, a degree of separation, and also being relatable, and we're the same, right? So you know, you look at um, presidents, right, that are billionaires, or they went to Harvard, or whatever, right? And so their job is to try and appeal to everyone and say, hey, well, yes, there's so, these degrees of separation, but like, hey, I do March Madness brackets too. Yeah, you know. I like uh, I like the Bulls, or I like uh, 
you know, I'm a Dodgers fan or, you know, things that make you human. So when you take accountability and make yourself human, because especially when you're a kid or you're an employee, you look at bosses as not people. You look at coaches as not people. You look at, you like almost classify them as like what their title is and that their title is a different species. A lot of times you don't look at those, that boss as a person. You don't look at that coach as a person. You look at them as a boss or a coach and it's its own thing, right? So your job is to constantly try and find that balance between between the two because you have to be elevated you have to be separate to have um cohesion right you can't have 10 you know uh leaders well right analyze that as well on that specific point can you still maintain your leadership if there's not a little bit of dictatorship in there because as you said you can't have 10 leaders necessarily because then you got everybody pulling in different directions maybe right is that something that you would analyze and all right, say, okay, we have to have a distinct leader that's going to make those hard decisions when they need to be made, and and not have somebody question it, or yep, there's always. Or do all. you share the load? I mean, what's what's the analyzing factor there? I love shared accountability, and I try and create that as much as I can in every um, capacity of my life, whether it's relationships, friendships, um, business with my employees. Um, with you know <coughs> owners or a coach with co-coaches or athletes or parents the more shared accountability the better because then we're all in this together but there are moments when unfortunately and that's what separates you know true leaders from yeah. followers, followers which yeah. is can you make the decision can you handle the pressure of making the decision can you handle any of the potential outcomes that come with making that decision yeah Okay. Coach Zach, would you agree with that? Yeah, that's pretty spot on. I mean, from my opinion. Do you have any examples of where you've said, okay, it's a good thing to kind of spread out that leadership versus where you've had to have a clear leader step in and do the dirty work, call somebody out, make a plan and stick to it? Mm. Not off the top of your head. Okay. No, no, right. I mean, you know, again, these questions, you guys didn't know these questions, so some of them are going to blindside you, and that's okay. How would you rationalize a failure then when you kind of have that? If you have shared accountability, how do you rationalize that it's everybody's fault? But yet, if you have a leader in place, does that work out the same way? You have that same rationalization that, hey, they're human, it's okay? Or how's that play out? Great leaders, when they're shared accountability, will fall on their sword you get a bunch you look at any great I'm sure if you look at any great sports team basketball is easier because there's five guys right you have five true pros you got five leaders right or three leaders you go into the locker room big loss you're like you know what that's on me guys I should have done this 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 and the next guy goes no man that's on me I could have done this this and this and this guy says forget both of you guys He's like, that's on me because I could have done this, this, and this, and you guys both were outstanding. So now you've got three people <coughs> falling on their swords, and when you get into situations like that, you've got something. Yeah. How do you foster that with younger leaders, like high school, middle school? We've experienced that multiple times. Um, Is that with natural? The, with or the program, I think, yeah, just with the, the culture that we have in place, you know, and the way that Chip takes accountability uh, for everything, like I said, you know, you'll see that, and it's not, you know, <clears throat> he'll take full 100% blame for a loss. 
and then like you know after the game you'll hear you know player A man you know I cost us here and then player B is like yeah but man I cost us here like you know you play like you said like like and Tommy said like you know <clears throat> you lead by example yeah. and that's how you, that's and how you it, get it's, it. it's contagious it really is contagious like I said and we've witnessed it multiple times over the last what five years um four years since we so yeah. took back over like you know, it, it's happened multiple multiple times for us so. it comes back to you know being a human yeah. right we talked about that and so when you see a leader say hey i make mistakes that's on me i'm taking accountability and you go man so he's willing to fall on this and like he didn't play a single minute yeah he didn't miss any shots. He didn't, you know, whiff any balls. He didn't, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Game the game winner or whatever. You know, he didn't do any of that. And he's saying, you know, this is on me. And what, whether you realize it consciously or subconsciously, no matter whether it's a relationship, again, business, sports, is that somebody is wanting to fall on their sword because they want to take that load off of the other person or other people, right? So they're saying, hey, you know, like Chip. He'll take 100% uh, fault for a loss, um, and it's uh, 10% his fault. And he knows that it's 10% his. It's only 10. It's only 10. But he has that moral guilt of, like, I could have been better, right? And it's partially my fault. I'm the leader of the ship, so it's all my fault, right? Because ultimately, it all comes back to me. And so he'll take the 100% fall. He'll be the fall guy, even if it's only partial. Great leaders will do that. Because they want to take the load off of somebody else, and because they can handle it. Well, and that's what separates. Again, that separates leaders. It says, "Hey, I can take my failure. I can take yours. I can take yours. I can take yours. I can take yours, and I'm good." Would you say that's how leaders get other people to follow their ideology? I mean, or is that a separate deal? People, so, people will realize. You know what I mean? So, like, let's say you've got an athlete, and he gave up that game-winning goal. He yeah. should have had it, or he whiffed. And you watch a, a teammate say, you know what, man, that's on me. I let him turn at midfield, and he came at you. I left you on an island. And you you realize, you're like, man, that was all my fault. Look at this guy. Yeah. Look at that. He's trying to take up, like, he's trying to take this off yeah. of me. And even if you're <clears> not the one who made the mistakes, or you're the other, you're the offense, and you're like, man, look at that guy. Like, he's falling on his sword trying to save him. He's throwing him a life ring, and that coach is throwing that kid a life ring. They, they realize it over time. Maybe not the first time or this instance or that instance, but if you're doing it all the time, people realize, and then they go, hey, that's how you treat people. Yeah, yeah. so it's contagious. I think, I think well, how do you how do you get that ideology to take place? I mean, it's hard. I, I can't imagine a high school kid having the maturity to develop that understanding. They don't maybe do it like consciously right you know like they might say they might not have that full emotional maturity to look at the whole picture and go this is why i'm doing this and i'm trying to do this for this kid or this for that kid but they still do it they'll still fall on the sword they just don't understand how big and wide their impact is and in the big picture you know out of out of body why but they're still (laughs) doing it right it's kind of like faking it till you make it. Yeah. And then over time, as they get older and more that mature, comes, then they do, comes, then, then it comes. Yeah. Is that what you tell a parent? Hey, if you want your kid to be a leader, and you need to get them to get buy-in, what would how would you tell them to do that? What would you tell them to, or how would you tell them to foster that in their own child? Or if they was a younger coach or just a coach that was inexperienced, how would you tell them? 
What would you tell them to foster that buy-in by their leaders? What should they do? Oh boy. I mean, you know, generally speaking, you just gotta you gotta do the right things. You gotta have that morality. You gotta have the honesty, the integrity. Um, you know, you gotta have the accountability. You gotta be positive. Um, I think you could think say all, all those things, but how would you foster it, so to speak? Does that make sense? Because I mean, I, I think you would say those things. All right, here's a laundry list of things you need to have in place. But if a parent came to you and said, "Hey," I want my kid to be a leader. How do you how do you walk them through that process? What would you say to them? Well, I think you lead by example. I mean, I think you it do. Is, I think it comes. I mean, that's some pretty philosophical stuff there. It is, the, and, you know. But parents you, always say, even building, "Okay, so like it's like with anything, you need to do like people are different types of learners, right? Like visual, audio, hands-on, mm-hmm. right? So if you want your kid to be a leader, you need to find great leaders as examples put them around them and research them research them in different areas not just sports yeah. but in business or in education or in humanitarianism whatever it is find great leaders do that right then you need to find out from internally as a parent you need to have a gut check yeah you need to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself am I truly a leader or not yeah and if you are or you think you can be Thing, you need to do the same and try and exemplify, you know, exemplify those things in your everyday life. If you can't, that's okay too, because you now have the greatest opportunity to show humility and true leadership by saying, "Hey, um, Billy, so you're Billy's mom. Uh, you didn't play any sports. Um, you know, you're in a science field. You don't. You have a couple coworkers. You don't really report that much to." you know, a superior up, you're kind of on your own, autonomous, like, it's not your situation, just because that's not your situation, right? You do a decent job leading your household, but it's different. Yeah. So, at that point, you say, listen, Billy, I'm not a good leader. Let me tell you why I'm not a good leader. Because I'm not good at XX and X. And everything that I've read and seen in great leaders is XX and X. And I don't have those qualities. It doesn't make me a bad person, doesn't mean I'm not great. It just means, hey, I'm not a leader. I don't really prefer that. I don't deal well with lots of stress in time-sensitive situations or, you know what I mean, if there's a lot. Yeah. You know, everyone's different, and that's okay. So you say, listen, I'm not a leader, but you know what? I am going to find so-and-so in the community <clears throat> or the family, right, that is, and you need to find them a mentor. You know, often kids don't have um, a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is the first thing to adjust or address if you don't have buy-in or leadership on your team or in your business or in your life? What's the first thing? What's the first step? Get to know everybody. How do you mean that? People like to do business with people that they like. Okay. People like to be around people that they like. And people like to do things for people that they like. Now, you don't have to like everybody, but perspective is important. And when you make an effort to try and get to know everybody and tell everybody about who you are, it's going to make it a lot easier when you go to communicate and do all those things Zach talked about earlier. Communicate, take accountability, right? Be honest, and it means something. All those then can kind of be like, these are now all reference points to all the things he talked about or she talked about in their personal journeys of who they are, and then they're trying to get to know who I am. 
Yeah. And you'll find out that if you have the humility to take yourself down to that level and ask a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old or whatever about those kinds of things, it's going to go a long way. Because you're probably going to ask them questions that no one has ever asked them in their life. And that's going to stand out. And they're going to say, I don't know. Yeah. Going to, that's going to be the response to a lot of questions you ask. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think about it. I don't know. I didn't think about it. Like, well, think about it because I want to know about you because I care. And then you reinforce that later, yeah. right? I remember trying to break through with a kid. I never did. Not that it wasn't like an okay rapport, but I was trying to really get in there because I felt like he was a quiet kid, um, brilliant, hyper-intelligent. But, and he, he always put in an effort. It was always like right there at BB+. Plus. Right, and I was like, "How do I get him to come out of his shell? Where? How do I get that? Pull that little fire out? I'm like, everything. What do you like to do? What do you like to do? What are your interests? You know, talk, brothers. Are you close with your mom? Close. You know, do you have a girl? Like everything. Trying to learn everything about him. And he, unfortunately, really vanilla, and not really much there to go off of. Not much that I could really kind of relate with him with, and have something to talk about that was not soccer. Right. Right. What type of music do you like? What type of books do you like? You know, I don't. I'm not very well read, so that you know, he read a ton. So there was a disconnect. You know, he didn't watch any TV. He didn't really play any video games. He didn't <coughs> do any other sports. He didn't want. You know what I mean? Is this a point where you said, "All right, Coach Sayre, he's yours. I'm, I'm lost." Sometimes. <laughs> Have but, you gotten that, Zach? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. But when you connect with those players, yeah. I mean, it, it does mean a lot. We're all human, and when somebody cares, it makes you want to care in, innately. I feel. Well, what kind of leader do each of you kind of gravitate towards, like, player-wise? Can you, like, what's your favorite type of player that you see and you're like, oh, man, that's leadership right there and I dig it. What, what's what's that for you, just your own personal flavor? I prefer, <clears throat> and I think it's probably because I'm a little more self-spoken, I like lead-by-example players. You know, they go out, they do the right thing for the betterment of the team at all times. They, you know, they make the right decisions. Um, you know, they... Off the field guys. Yeah, they they put the work in, you know, in the classroom. You know, they build a good rapport with their with their peers. Um, but you know, they're not the ones that are necessarily out barking directions 100 percent of the time during the game, yeah. during game situations. But um, you know, in the weight room, committed to the weight room, um, players like that. Like, I like I like lead back down players. That's how I was. Okay. You know, I wasn't always the most vocal, but you know, I was always putting work in. I was always doing what I was supposed to do. So. so you think you like that because you see a little yourself in yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I you think so. you can appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. What about Coach Faust? What about you? Um, I like, like I was in that position where I definitely wasn't the best player on the team. I've never been the best player on a serious team. But, you know, I like a player that holds, any leader that holds other people accountable. they got to be reasonable, you know not blaming that's not holding somebody accountable but I like a player who can kind of do that compliment sandwich stuff that a great coach does right can put them down or build them up and then build them up or build them up a little bit and then put them down and and get the message across in a motivational way give me an example just in case somebody doesn't know what you mean by a compliment sandwich give me an example right give them so example. you know guy gets you know you're you're playing uh any sport you're playing defense and you know your teammate just lets a guy kind of blow by him and puts you on an island and you know you want to have a go at a guy you're like 
hey man, listen, you're better than this. You know, you just hung me out to dry, but you're better than that guy. Don't let him get by you. You know what I mean? Like you got to yeah. build him up while you're putting him down, <coughs> you know, and let okay. him know that, hey, I'm not tearing you apart. I'm trying to make you better. So when I see a kid that can have a go at a kid and then build him up, you know what I mean? That's what I like the most. I like a player that can yell at a kid because there's moments when there's tough love. Yeah. And I love, love, love a, a player that can put an arm around another kid. Yeah. And have a conversation with them like a freaking human being. And I was always... You know, a great leader will do something different for each personality type. Yeah. So, you know, that type of leader that I that I like the most is firm, vocal, but compassionate too. You know, they know when to do tough love and they know when that there needs to be you know, you need to massage it a little bit more. But I like I like definitely like a vocal leader and I definitely I don't like somebody who yells to yell. That's annoying. Yeah. We've had those kids. I don't yell to yell, that's not that doesn't mean you're leading. You're just spitting out verbal vomit. Yeah, but like, negative in that. Right. So, yeah. But not being negative, being just <laughs> firm, holding somebody accountable, but, you know, you you got to support them too. Now, if you see that type of leader for each of you out on the field, do you gravitate towards them or do you say, hey, they're okay and I'm going to focus my energy on someone else? you got to positively reinforce the behavior, I feel yeah. like. Okay. You do that for the silent kid yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's switch gears. What's more effective, individual or group group leadership? Be more specific. Uh, if you had to foster roles in a group, do you foster a group mentality, or do you foster individuals and let them foster? Right. So, like that? in business, it would be departments, and in, on a team, it'd be like offense and defense, or like linebackers and corners, as like groups. Uh, sure. Or maybe whole team. Maybe you maybe you try to identify eight different leaders and uh, cultivate leadership across the board, or do you just say, okay, we're going to pick Billy, and we're going to foster his leadership and then he will uh, you know disseminate it down or do you say hey we got to pick out five or six leaders and have them all do different roles but still be leaders which do you think is more effective or what do you like better I think if you focus more individually I think in the long run you can effectively spread the wealth across the team better Um, you know if you just bark general directions and general leadership across the board you know I don't know that it sinks in as much but when you spend time you know grooming individuals i think that elevates you know especially from a kid's perspective they i think they buy in more right and then i think they help you know like i said spread that across the board so okay um go on no that's all right go ahead um individual 100 percent. everybody loves a hero have you had the situation where you weren't able to have an individual pull that leadership role out for you and you had to spread it out? Or so do, when you're or do you always to, find one? So when you're trying to make uh, um, lemonade out of lemons with yeah. no sugar? Yeah, yeah. Just assume, you know. Yeah, sometimes you take over organizations or groups that there isn't a defined leader. So at that point, you're almost in a sense trying to throw uh, crap up against the wall, see what sticks. <laughs> How's that play out? Have you had? Uh, I assume the way you're talking, you've had that happen, and were you able to adapt to it and make it work? How was it? Did it work? Uh, Peyton Hughes is a great example. Peyton? Yeah, I think so. Um, I love Peyton Hughes, athlete of ours, uh, defender of the year, uh, single double A there, senior year. He was a two-year captain, 
Mm-hmm. Um, another coaching staff. He is one of the most coachable kids you ever have, and he's quiet. He stays quiet, and I don't think he ever leads. I love him to death. And that's not a knock on him at all. Yeah. But he was just so... Uh, what's the word? when it, Obedient. So obedient, yeah. so coachable, that he wasn't going to step out of that. He wasn't going to overstep that reach. So he played a role, it just wasn't the leadership role. Right. And for him, that would almost be kind of anti-obedient, anti-follower to kind of, you know, yeah. be the leader. That kind of, those two things kind of clash. Yeah. Um, but we saw a kid who was that quiet, lead by example, great on and off the field, super coachable, did took care of everything off the field, worked real, real hard. And it's like, hey, you need to be a leader. Yeah. And then make him that. And then he ended up just becoming an extension of the coaching staff. And we put so much into him that at a point, like you said, do you just ignore that player and like say, okay, he's good? Yes. We did that a lot with him, especially his senior year. I wasn't, we weren't having, he wasn't getting attention, you know, but he could handle that yeah, because he, he was it. literally a, an extension of the staff. Yeah. Like a fourth coach. So like we weren't paying attention to him. We Yes, he didn't get a lot of attention and love. You know, there wasn't positive reinforcement being put on, on Peyton. Because it was just like, we don't need that. He was right. already in the know. Yeah, he right. knew. He knew. And he, he, you know, a lot of kids would 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 falter in that situation, but he just, you know, he thrived in it. So, how do you fill those missing roles? Like, what did you do when you had a senior that was a captain like that, and it's more of a coach, less of a player leader? How do you fill that role? I mean, that's why you have, I guess, more than one captain. I felt like he did a great job of both, but. I mean, when you're in that situation, you're just trying to pick people that can relate. Luckily, um, you know, I guess in business, you know, more assistant managers, you know, have one or two people that mm-hmm. can drive with this group of people and that group of people. So everybody has somebody that they can go to that they can relate to and trust. And when you're choosing captains on a sports team, we do that. You know, you got to find – you don't want to have three Peyton Hughes's because yeah. they only appeal to the same – they all appeal to the same group of kids. You know, you're trying to get people, great leaders compromise. So you got a couple of leaders that will compromise with each other, and they're all on one team and one objective. And then they're trying to get their own groups to buy into them. And then it just kind of goes back up to the top, but right back to the individual stuff that Zach was talking about. Okay. If you had um, teammates disagree, you have dissension, you know, what do you do? Wow. All right. How do you address that? We typically address things head on, you know, lay the situation out, you know, and just work until we have um, a compromise and an agreement that, you know, because we can't, we, you know, you can't have situations like that where there's a rift in the team and that, that just sets you back so far. So we, you know, we typically tackle things head on, you know, as fast as possible and, you know, work a solution out. So I don't know. It depends on the kids and the situation. Yeah, you know, my, but... my default, my preference is right then and there, handle it in front of the team. Zach is definitely more of like post 
one-on-one or even, you know, at the water break get somebody one-on-one. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing my dad always said um, was that you never embarrass somebody in front of their peers. You know, often when you embarrass somebody in front of their peers, you aren't going to get that much positive outcome in the long run. Um, so you're trying to find a balance of that. I like to I like to use that. So like, that's where Zach's much better in that situation, and you kind of got to restrain yourself and let Zach handle that because he's going to do what's best for the team and the players. But then there's egregious situations, shoving, yeah. things like that, where you. You can't have that in your culture, yeah. so you've got to address that in front of everybody. That's not okay, and that's when it comes down to now this 2020 thing of, hey, sometimes things need to be shamed in our society. Yeah. Not everything is okay, right? Solving your problems with um, physical touch is defeat, Yeah. right? It's, it's a lack of control, awareness, everything. So, like, that's not okay, and so... Billy doesn't get a one-on-one conversation for shoving a kid or throwing a punch at some kid because he has, I don't care, an IEP or whatever. To me, there's things that need to be shamed because although that is a negative reinforcer and the outcome is going to be kind of negative, the greater good for everybody else is it's a net positive. Right. Even though on an individual level, it's definitely a net negative. But on a group level, it's a net positive. Sometimes you have to do that. Well, with that in mind, how do you get forgiveness when an individual makes a mistake? Like even the simple context of they commit a foul in the box and get the team a PK, which, you know, should almost certainly be a goal. How do you get forgiveness out of that? What do you what do you ask your leaders to do? I mean, you just got to you got to you just got to move on. I mean, what do you say to him to get him to move on? Because I mean, you got to know. I mean, you two are players. You're coaches. Yeah. You've been in that situation, I'm sure, where you said, "Man, that's a tough one to take," and that individual made a huge mistake, maybe a game losing mistake, to, maybe to me, whatever though, the case may be. How do you, how do you foster leadership to handle that crisis? The biggest thing I think is just <clears throat> making sure they understand that they need to learn mm-hmm. from the situation. Yeah. You know, like mistakes are going to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when that happens, you know, you could go out and just rip a kid's head off for that. Um, or, you know, have the captain rip a kid's head off for that. But, like I said, more importantly, you need to make sure they understand, like, like they know they messed up. Yes. So, Love you know, that. They know they messed up. Like, 100%. Like, they know, we know, everybody knows. You know, grandma off in the stands that doesn't know a thing about soccer, she knows. So you got to make sure that they understand, you know, what led up to that happening and, you know, make sure that they look at it from a perspective going forward, they're not going to let that happen. They're going to do, you know, whatever they can to prevent that from happening again. So so I think just, like I said, making them realize, um, you know, analyzing the situation and, and progressively going forward, you know, do what you can to make sure it doesn't happen again. So, yeah, it it goes back to the halftime. Like, hey, you can't control yeah, the past. It is That's what fun. it is. But now you have an opportunity. You can be better and learn from it. Or not, you know. We everybody makes mistakes. You know, we were shooting the breeze, before, you know, pre-stream about, you know, how can you know I make a mistake every single day? Every single day I make mistakes. I made mistakes today. You know, how can you have, how can you rip a kid's soul, a child's soul apart because they made a mistake? Are you serious? You know, you got 40, 50, 60, 70 year old people been on the earth for 60, 70 years, and they're making mistakes daily, weekly, and you're gonna rip some kid's soul apart because he makes a mistake. 
that is asinine. Yeah. But, you know, you learn way more from a loss than you ever will from a win. And so for me, like Zach said, it's like, how do you get that forgiveness? Perspective. Right. Right. Empathy. And it move on. Let's try to do our best to not make the same mistake twice. Understand the impact of the mistake. Big picture stuff. But I love when he said he, they know they messed up. You know, some kid shanks a wide open shot over. The last thing he needs to hear about is how he needs to keep the ball down. Yeah. Really? You know, that always really pissed me off as a player. If somebody say, keep the ball, I'm like, so I just missed a goal that would put us in a winning situation or a tie situation in front of all of my teammates, all of my friends, all of our fans, my coach. And you really, you don't think that I'm fully aware that I'm, I shot it over. I'm 100% aware that I shot it over. Thank you. And I know that I would like to not do that again. I'd prefer to score goals and win. Thanks. You're, it's like an insult to your intelligence almost. It's belittling in a sense. Yeah. And, I, hey, and I kicked it over a lot. Is there a situation that you can think of where someone took on a leadership role without the title of a leader? Oh, yeah. We have. We have. I mean, I 100%. see it. Every day. We'll talk yeah. about that a little bit. Because we've talked about making leaders, but not necessarily without that aspect. Well, I think, you know, I think a lot of times you'll have kids uh, that aren't captains, you know. Um, they do the kind of lead by example. They, you know, show up. They put the work in. You know, they're encouraging other kids uh, to follow suit. You know, um, they embrace their role on the team. They, you know look to, to to other kid, you know, try to get them to buy in to embrace their role on the team. Um, they're positive to the kids. You know, like I said, they 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 communicate, they relate to everybody. Like you don't have to be a captain. You know, especially like I said, looking at this from a sports perspective, you don't have to be a captain to be a leader. So you can have freshman leaders. Uh-huh. What happens if they step on the leader's toes? Um How's that conversation? Okay, so like from a coach's perspective, stepped on their toes, or from that that player's perspective, their toes got stepped hey, on. Either one. I mean, you, like you know, Coach Sarah, you just said you have a leader step up. They're not a captain, but they're doing the work of a captain or a leader. How do you, as a coach, kind of protect your leaders from that, or do you not worry about it, or do you just say, hey, know. maybe you need to be a better leader? How, kind how's kind that of Darwinism. Like, so you know, your your first question was what the role. If you're not a captain, right? Yeah, you're not given a leadership role. Well, first off, that's not given. So, like, somebody was having to show leadership prior to getting that, or they wouldn't have gotten it. So, somebody else was leading when they weren't the captain to earn being captain. Right. So, you have to do that to earn the title, one. And then, two, you know, when I played in college, even the second team, when the second team started, right, that starting 11, um, we were all captains. Yeah. Every guy there was the captain at the last place. Right, right. So then you have 11 captains playing together, but you only have one skipper. So it turns into the goal is 11 leaders on the field or whatever sport you're playing. You want the starting lineup. You want them all to be leaders, but just happen to be following the best leader, right, or the best leader for that situation right right and so then it goes back to great leaders being great followers because if you look at any world cup winning team you might have one guy in that starting lineup that ain't a leader yeah you don't get you don't you don't get excellence 
by not being a leader. I mean, that's just not... We'll drag it back to middle school, Rick. You know, let's just assume you have, you know, generally middle school. Your eighth graders are your captains. It's kind of an honor that's given. <clears throat> what if you have a strong sixth or seventh grader that, you know, has that role and they play it? What do you tell your eighth graders? How do you smooth that over? Well, I don't think you need to protect your leaders. It's kind of like, again, social Darwinism. Um if a player feels like their toes are being stepped on, it's your job to show them why it's not. We don't, we're not going to be having conversations. Leadership isn't a negative thing. So we're not going to negatively reinforce multiple kids trying to be leaders. Yeah. But respect. So again, great leaders are great followers, mm -hmm. right? So if that kid is overstepping, like he's trying to lead the stretching, for example, that's a great one. Yeah, right? yeah, a lot of captains yeah, stretch, be, be and some kids like, I'm leading the stretch. It's like, <laughs> pipe it down, <laughs> right? Like, calm down. Like that's not, like that's not your role. But you can still display a bunch of other qualities. Naming a sixth grader a captain over an eighth grader. Um, it's we're gonna come back to compromise, Dave. You've yeah. got parents. You've got oh yeah. You got a lot system. of people to answer for. You've got a lot know. of stuff you got to deal yeah. with, and unfortunately, um, I'd like to believe that in every moment, that the best leaders were always the captains, and sometimes they're not, and that's life. That's compromise, and then you have to explain <clears throat> why, and that's a great opportunity. We talk about applying to real life. You say to the sixth grader, "Hey, buddy, I know that the eighth graders are, are jerks, and you know one of them's a captain." And uh, guess what? Welcome to life. Yeah. Welcome to well, life. Well, we've had that situation before, too. We've had <clears throat> guys that, you know, felt they should have been named captains. And, you know, a conversation that I've had with one was, you know what? Keep doing what you're doing. Like, you know, you didn't get named captain. You don't have the band. But, like, kids are going to follow you by the example that you said. And, you know, just keep doing you. So, you know, <clears throat> like I said, unfortunately, that sucks. Um... And I'm all for, you know, the captain being whoever, whether it's I a agree. seventh grader, whether it's eighth grader, whether it's you know, a freshman sophomore. Now, typically, you don't have that, you know, just because maturity plays in, plays into that a lot. But I mean, there's been times where, um, you know, the sophomore on the team, the sophomore forward, that was the captain. It goes yeah. back to life. You do the right things for the right reasons because that's who you are, not because you're doing it for a piece of cloth that goes around. Your, your arm, you know, a piece of fabric or because you get to lead a stretch. It's not why you're doing what you're doing. It's not why you're being who you are. Do the right things for the right reason. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, there's just so many times in life where you're not going to get that. Hey, I lobbied for Peyton Hughes to be the only captain as a sophomore. I mean, that's fact. But that would have been like... Ooh, is that a Faust fact? Or that's a Faust fact. I mean, I... That is a Faust fact. To me, he was the guy. Yeah. And I was like... He's the guy. I'm cool with just one, but you can't do that. You know, that's where Chip's experience and wisdom yeah. comes into play. He's like, yeah, pipe down, Faust. You can't have one captain in high school sports. And, you know, he's not quite ready, you know. But, yeah, we've been there 100%. Okay. Well, we'll finish with this last uh, subject question. Can you build leaders? Can you combine leadership roles from multiple people to kind of build that perfect leader? And have you done that before? Oh, yeah, you can definitely build leaders. I mean, is there not an inherent quality that they bring to the table with them, or is that something you can help them learn? There is, and, you know, like I said, we knew the topic of tonight, and so I, I was just kind of wanting to see what people what people think, and, and my opinion on the matter is kind of what, you know, science and research says, like, 
the majority of leadership is learned. Yeah. There's obviously qualities that, you know, some people naturally have and that helps them be a leader, but a lot of the, the traits of leadership are developed. Yeah. You know, like communication. Communication a lot of times is developed. How to communicate, how to properly communicate, you know. Uh, well, with that being said, could you take an introvert? Uh, mm-hmm. Could you have taken Peyton Hughes and said, hey, you got to be more communicative. You, you have to up your game and communicate better, be louder, be more yeah. extroverted? Yep, and he did. Okay. Yeah, I definitely think you can build leaders. Anybody, it's kind of like defense in sports. Anybody can play defense because it's an effort thing, right? right? It's a commitment thing. Leadership, same way. Anybody can be empathetic. You can teach empathy. You can teach compassion. You can teach accountability. You can teach compassion. You can teach um, communication. Right. All that can be taught. And those are often the biggest, you know, like he said in the very beginning of the podcast, there's like the biggest traits of leadership. All of those can be taught. You can't teach charm. Right. When somebody's just magnetic. Got it. Right. Okay. We've all met those people that you just... Have charisma. They naturally have that charisma. They, just got, like, that, you're they just, got that you're aura just, to them. They're know? like a moon. You're just, you know what I mean? They just pull you in. Like, you're just drawn to them, and you can't even explain why. It's just like, they tell you, you just blindly follow them, you know? But anybody within reason can be a leader. And can you accomplish the perfect leader for multiple people? Yes, that is the purpose of high school captains but then in business they do the same thing you got a ceo you got a cfo you got a vice president of this you got a vice president of that you got a vice president of that and then you still have a ceo right so you're still trying to accomplish leadership with four or five different leaders when you talk about someone being like the moon someone that you're just drawn to is that is that in the short term like could you do that in three weeks could you Mm, no is it more of a long term it's a long term that's a long term process I don't even know if it's something that can necessarily be taught. I think it's something that's learned. I think it's, and that's weird to say. I think it's something that's learned or can be learned, but I don't think it's taught, right? Like you couldn't take somebody in a classroom, you can't tell them how to do it, but they can see it and then try to emulate it. Emulate it themselves, right? Well, I guess what I mean is if you have that shining star, you know, you see a player three weeks, and you're like, man, just drawn to that player because they had, you know, everybody's drawn to that player. You know, three weeks, that's crazy, right? Is that something that you foster even after three weeks, or is that something you just uh, say, well, it'll wear off? How's that play out? I don't know, man. I don't think that, I just don't think that's, I just don't think it's on the table. You know, okay. think about, like, uh, Vince Lombardi. Yeah. How many football coaches have gone into halftime and try and do a Vince Lombardi speech? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and they've said the yeah. same words yep. with the same, let's just say, intensity or volume. Mm-hmm. So it just misses the you mark. That's what you're saying. But like, think about JFK. Yeah. You know, you watch, or Martin Luther King Jr. You yeah. know, you listen to the guy speak, and you're just like, <clears throat> he could be talking about uh, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. And you're just like. Calm. Holy can, crap, yeah, man. Like You're like, I just... gotta make me a PB and J right now. <laughs> right? And like can you and again, how many people have gotten up to a microphone and just started yeah. screaming into it with volume, right? Like a Martin Luther King or like a JFK and like some people have it and some people don't. I mean I gotcha. This is totally missed. And if you ask Martin Luther King, Hey, who taught you that? He'd be like, Well, this person did this, this but no one's sitting him down. This is how you do it. This is the cadence you have to have, this is the volume, this is the I just think it that is something that is probably learned a little bit, but it, I don't think it's something that can that, be taught. That specifically is something that you just have 
you're born with it. So. Those are hyperbolic examples, but that's what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. No, yeah. On a smaller scale, we've all experienced that, you know. So if you're going to build a leader, could you throw out some people that you would pull characteristics from or characteristics that you see in people? You know what I mean? Let, let's build a Lego leader. Throw some things out. No, no, no. You've thrown out the general accountability, compassion, communication. But is there types of people that you say, man, that, that this is what, if that kid had this one part from someone else, what do you see there? Like, do you want people? Examples? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you want yeah. popular I mean, like people that said, other people would know. You know, you got to have that Vince Lombardi passion. Um, what what else would you pull? I mean, I'll give, I think a good example, and Tommy and I have kind of talked about this before, is like uh, Barack Obama. Okay. How well-spoken he is. You know, like I said, politics aside, whether you, you know, agree <coughs> or not, like, the man is well-spoken. Right, yeah. He can communicate with a guy that's, you know, a uh, uh, Harvard degree doctorate, and he can communicate with, you know, Joe Blow down the street uh, that works at the plant, uh, or, you know, uh, he can have a conversation with a 12-year-old kid. Right. You know, whereas I think there's other presidents that would struggle, you know, talking to that 12-year-old kid, but they would thrive in the situation with the... Uh, um, you know, with the Harvard grads, whatever. Right, right. But I think, like I said, what about athlete-wise? Athlete-wise, yeah. I like, mean, if you could pull together some famous athletes throughout time, who would you naturally say, "Ooh, I want that, that, and that," um, and kind of piece together somebody? Man, I man. like, um, I like Tom Brady's fire. You know, that's important. Okay. You know, I watched him have. You know, guy who won. Uh, a great example of reason that I like him a lot. I remember watching him. He was playing the Baltimore Ravens in um, the last Super Bowl run that he made, and they were a pretty good team. And he had already won, you know, five Super Bowls, and he'd done everything. He's 40 years old or whatever. Okay, like first ballot Hall of Fame. It's it's done. It's all done, right? And it's weak, whatever. And they're up. They're up, and he has his line on the bench. And it is, like, not good. It's like he cares that much still. So, like, that fire, Brett Favre, with the passion, the love for the game, to see guys play. Um, like, right now, like, Hyun Min's son is a guy for Tottenham. He plays with a smile. Like, watching guys who really enjoy the game, you know, um, that passion that we talk about, people like yeah, people right. that are passionate. Coach Zach, go ahead. You've got to go MJ. Jesus. I mean, just for the, the accountability that he had yeah. with yeah. his teammates, the drive that he had. Yep. Um, you know, because he was literally willing to do whatever it took to win. And, you know, one thing I really respect about MJ is, like, he was fine with someone else taking the shot if that meant them winning the game. That's all he wanted to do was win. Mm-hmm. You know, he was fine with Steve Kerr taking the shot to win the game. Or he was fine dishing off to Scottie Pippen to win the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But... But, like, his, his hard work, you know, like, MJ is, like, one of those, he kind of, you know. He encompasses a lot. Encompasses almost, yeah. you know, anything that you would want in a leader. So, whereas there's other athletes, I think, that, you know, they have the drive, but they're pouty, they're, you know. Yeah, like they're, in they're, a couple of the They're negative, they're, you know, they're not, they want the shot, they don't care about, you know, Joe Blow getting the shot, they want the shot. And they'll die on that too. Like yeah, Carmelo Anthony, I think, is a good example. Okay. Yeah, uh, guys like uh, Carlos Puyol was a guy who, um, really bulldog center uh, center back for Barcelona, and you know there was an instance where somebody was trying to um, fight him one game, or somebody had 
put in a really nasty tackle and threw a punch at him and he dodged it and his teammates come to like scrap and he's like holding his teammates back you know like that sportsmanship yeah like that uh display of like self-control yeah you know that's huge um trying to think about um people that are just kind of trailblazers right i guess i mean i don't know there's there's a lot of great ones out there yeah, that's what I'm hard. Sure we could sit here and name. I mean, it's oh, hard yeah, to think yeah. like. For an hour. I just didn't know if you had any off the top of your head. You're like, I love Man. Coach K. I love Coach K. I don't watch any college basketball. I've watched nominal amounts of it in my life, and I'm yeah. not a huge fan of the sport. But I, man, I try and really mold a lot of the stuff I do off of him. You know, always focusing on the development of the person, doing yeah. things the right way, and then being willing to compromise and adapt to whatever style. Or rules that he has to play within, and to still have you know four or five decades worth of success, that's just like, you know, I looked to somebody well-rounded like that. I always loved Jim Trestle, same type of guy. He coached at Ohio State. He was all big about the classroom. You know, he taught a football class, and his he'd give his own players D's. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Hell he was really focused yeah. on what kind of person they were going to be. So, um, and that just comes down to holding people accountable. So I like I like leaders like that. Okay. All right. Well, that was the last question I had. And again, two coaches unplugged here with Coach Faust, Coach Sarah. Any final thoughts on leadership? That was our topic this go round, and we're running right up to around an hour and fifteen minutes. Even though my goal was to keep it at a half hour to forty five, we uh, we found more stuff to talk about than uh, that would allow. So yeah, I guess my parting statement is something that I actually said <laughs> to a friend last night who's yeah. an educa- who's in education. Um, counselor uh i said you know the one youth leader to another i said the greatest thing that you can do for a child is to hold them accountable right and do so with love and and compassion but you know firmly yeah you know that is that is the greatest gift you can give any child today that's what i'm seeing in 2020 you know, the one thing that you can do, if you're looking, you're around kids, what's the one thing you can do? Hold them accountable. But help them understand the why. Yeah. And do so with, you know, a little personal touch. And it's really freaking hard. It's like the hardest thing ever. Yeah. But, like, it's the kids. It's our kids we're talking about. So, like, they're worth the effort. All right. Coach Sarah? Uh, to me, you know, a leader, a great leader can make a world of a difference for a kid. Um, you know, so if you're in a position to where you, whether you're a coach or a teacher or, you know, whatever, you need to strive to be, um, the best leader that you can be. Yeah. Um, and you need to have all those qualities we talked about today, like I said, the accountability, the communication, the relatability, the, you know, the drive, you need to encompass all those and you need to try to pass that along, especially to the next generation because this is a different world. Um, and, you know, having good leaders will make the difference in, you know, the next generation. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you've been listening to two coaches, Unplugged, Coach Faust, Coach Sayre, tackling the difficult topic of leadership. And uh, as always, the Unplugged part is the part where they know the topic, but then get hijacked with the questions without any prep or uh, foresight. So good job, gentlemen. Is there anything that surprised you? Anything you're walking away with? I mean, we didn't hear too many Faust facts or Sayre suggestions this go around, but uh, still not too bad. And if you're watching this on Facebook Live, this is what I'll say. If, uh, you know, of course, Coach Sarah, you held up MJ there. If someone can name the other bobblehead doll here, 
uh, or give any clue as to what the character is, they will get a free shirt out of the deal. So just comment in the Facebook comments. If you're on the podcast side, sorry about your luck. You have to go watch the Facebook one to pick up that uh, free shirt. So we'll get you a free shirt if you can name the second bobblehead doll. But anyway, so any false facts you want to throw out or say your suggestions? Nah, nah, I think we're good on this one. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. A little surprised at, I, I don't know, I guess it's one of those things there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not definitely any definitive right right answers. I think it just goes back to uh, are you willing to learn and be, you know, humble and adapt yeah. and care. If you can do all those things, then you'll probably get yourself on the right track. Okay. All right, well, two coaches unplugged, Coach Faust, Coach Sayre, tackling the tough topic of leadership. And uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with a new topic. And Coach Faust and Coach Sayre here to share their opinions, their experience, and their uh, firsthand look at whatever topic we throw out. So we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in. And stay with us with two coaches unplugged, leading the future of sports, athletes, helping out parents.